back to Auto Life Topic. Hello, Brad. Good afternoon, Andrew. How are you today? I'm good. And uh, we can finally shout out your official birthday. Right. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. So uh, I feel exactly one day older than I did yesterday. So the birthday adage is true. You do feel older by one day. Cool. Yeah. I partied hard because it's what you do when you're 41, right? That's right. You definitely do. Yeah. So I partied hard. We ate cake. We ate lasagna. Did, was it Garfield themed? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because also at 41, you do themed birthdays. I forgot. It was a Garfield themed <laughs> lasagna and cake birthday. Perfect. That would definitely be something that would be a throwback to childhood. That's for sure. Garfield was uh, a top game in the 80s. Yeah. So I had all the Garfield books. But yes, it was It was actually it was uh, low-key, not a big deal birthday themed. So it was nice. Cool. Yeah. Also, uh, come join our Discord. Yes. If you're listening, come join. Yeah, we've had a couple more join up the past week, and uh, it's growing steadily each week. So uh, it's having good conversations, and the more people, the more conversations, right? Yeah, it's fun. We have we have a few different uh, subsections, I guess you'd call them, kind of like in the old forum days. There's one for scale autos. There's a general topic one. There's a project car one. There's a pets one. Car spotting. Car spotting one, of course, it's 2022, and no Discord would be complete without a meme channel. Yep. And I think that's it. There's a section there where you can correct us if we're wrong. That uh, would seem to be something that happens from time to time, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah, please come join the Discord. So, we don't claim to know everything, and we nope. don't, don't know if we're wrong until you tell us. So, tell us if we're wrong. Maybe we'll even shut up. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things we were discussing is the uh, new Ken Block Pikes Peak car that he's going to run. Okay. We discussed it last week. Oh, no, we discussed it in the, in the dis- Discord. Yeah. yeah. So I, well, no, it helps keep me uh, on top of car news because sometimes I miss some stuff. Yeah. I, think, I don't know if you heard yesterday. I turned 41, so I'm way behind the, the curve here on you know pop culture now. So that's what happens. Okay. Okay. It's all downhill at 40. All right, Grandpa. <laughs> Calm down. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, obviously, but no. There's plenty of uh, plenty of car culture going around. Right. Yes, you being, you being buried next week? What? Uh, two weeks at least. Okay. All right. So uh, the Huna Pegasus. Huna Pegasus. Well, it's a dumb name. It's a super dumb name. There's no question. Also, I thought he was running all electric stuff now. It's really weird to me. So I think he's running all electric Audis. Is the deal? And that's why this is not an Audi, because I think his deal with Audi is all electric. Weird. And my guess is that they didn't have the all-new electric Audi ready in time for Pike's Peak for next year, so they scrambled to get something that, you know, probably had some more off-the-shelf parts they could put together. And then the, and then he still runs, a, he's running a Hyundai in American Rally. Right. Because, again, I'm pretty sure his deal with Audi is the all-electric thing, so we'll see. But anyway, the topic at hand here is the Huna Pegasus. Pegasus. Um, I don't know. Is Mobile One involved in this? It must be the names on it. And it has the Pegasus on the side of it. Oh, it does? I don't know. I don't know why it wasn't called the Huna 11. Yeah, there's a lot of other words they could have gone with. Like a lot. But it is what it is. So it's it's called this because if you haven't seen a picture of it, it's, it's done like the pink pig. Yep. Uh, Porsche Le Mans car, and then kind of it's the color of it. It's not it's really the color. There's no it. other callback to it other than that. And, and it has the, the giant mobile, mobile one Pegasus on the side, which, which is a common thing on 911s for yep. some reason. I don't know where that came from. Do you? Because it's cool looking. I don't know the theme. I mean, it was on race cars back in the day. It's neat was looking. It? it makes a cool fender ornament. Or was it just a thing from Outlaws? No, it was on a lot of race cars back in the day. Not necessarily all, right. all Porsches, but it was on a lot of race cars. I, I dig it. I like to see it on a fender of a 60s or 70s race car. It makes sense. Uh, the one thing I don't like about it, though, well, 
anybody who listens to this podcast knows my opinion is probably going to be strong and worded here. I don't like the car at all, but one of the things that I have a huge problem with is that we're going to start seeing the Mobile One Pegasus on the side of every crap can Ultima on the road now. I guess. I mean, listen, how many cars have monster logos on them because of Ken Block cars? I mean, I don't have a 911, so I don't care. <laughs> no, I don't care if it's on that. I don't, I don't care about 911s or not. I don't have a 911 either. But I just, it's a kind of a classic vintage race thing. And we're going to start seeing it on like Altimas and Sonatas. And it's going to be bad. I don't like it. Sure. It doesn't really bother me because I just ignore those cars anyways. Oh, it just kind of, it, I think it's going to kind of ruin it for the vintage look that it, that it has. So. I mean, the cars, it's weird because it's like, it's built by a real shop, which is cool. BBI. Yep. And it's definitely a real race car. It'll probably do pretty well, but just like. Oh, no question. The arrow on it is just so ridiculous. It's like a, it's like a narrow body roof line with like an RWB kit extreme. It's not even RWB. It just looks like somebody cut trash cans in half and stuck them on the vendors. There's no actual style to it. But listen, I, I, all of my all of my criticism here is going to be from purely a stylistic standpoint. I'm sure the car is going to be an amazing race car. I'm sure it's going to, you know, set a ridiculously fast time up the mountain. Uh, I do appreciate that it has lots of wings on it so that when, you know, Ken, block, Ken blocks halfway up, at least he'll have a nice flight down and he'll land softly. Uh, I don't, I just, as far as purely from aesthetics... I don't understand why they went with an early narrow car. They could have done a later style wider car, integrated it better because it has, you know, the early style turn signals and stuff that are like a foot and a half in from the edge of the bodywork. Now it just looks strange to me. It doesn't, it doesn't have enough nine eleven left to call it a nine eleven. I just, whatever it's, it's, it's neat. It's different. I just, I don't, I don't think stylistically it's a good looking car. It's purposeful. So I'm not going to say it's bad, but I just think no, it's it, strict, straight stylistically, it's not cool. No, it was, looks like it was designed for YouTube, for a video game. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks like a Pikes Peak car. And if you go back in time to other Pikes Peak cars, like the Celicas and the other Toyotas they built in the 90s, they have a similar look to them. Uh, that The head-on shot of this Huna Pegasus, it almost looks like a... 911 GT1 car from the 90s. So there's definitely some things there about it that are like, at least it has some tradition. I just, I don't, it's a weird choice. Um, I think that, you know, the young fanboys are going to love it and that's all they're going for. And it's all that matters because that's what marketing does and uh, it will work. I hope it's fast. I hope it's cool. Is it all? Dry? I hope it does well. It must be. My assumption is yes. I mean, it's a, uh, Pikes Peak car in 2022 and it's yeah, a car built by the Hoonigan guys and they're pretty much they're all about all wheel drive are they not yeah like everything's been all wheel drive uh, yes twin turbo 1400 horsepower all wheel drive hmm. so yeah it it's, drive. I don't know my issue is less with the car the, like the actual car that was used it's more like the livery and the name. It's just like too derivative for me. Sure. Yeah, it's almost like it's Hoonigan and they're very popular and they have a huge following. They don't need to try this hard. Like their yeah. original liveries have always been kind of they've been their own and they've been good. You know, I mean, and this is, I mean, there's really not much on here that looks very close to the pink pig other than the color because the pink pig for those that don't know has the sections of the pig marked on it like if like the car is marked out like a pig being slaughtered for meat and this doesn't have those sections called out on it, it just has what looks like chalk drawings of a by a child all over the side of it or i don't know what it means i don't know yeah it's it's weird it could just be like i don't know just do their flat black, whatever they do with like pink or something. I don't know. Just do like yeah. something else. I don't know. Yeah. It just almost seems, it, it, it seems to try hard. That's all. And 
maybe that's the direction they're going with everything. Who knows? That's what their fans are uh, are into, I guess, right? I guess. I don't know. Anyway. Not super into it. No, again, I, I'll, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm sure there'll be a super cool, you know, video series following their build of the car and following the drive up Bikes Peak like they always do. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever see the one with the, with the unicorn, the Mustang? I didn't watch it. It was it was pretty good, honestly. Um, it was very entertaining. A lot of it, I think, was done by Larry Chen. It was a lot about his videoing the whole event. So it was super cool. Actually, that wasn't even a race. That was just the the like drive up the hill for video, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. So, regardless, it'll be cool. I uh, I look forward to watching it. I look forward to the content they have. It's just stylistically not my thing, and that's fine. I'm just not going to spend fifty bucks on a T-shirt with the logo on it. So, yep. I'm sure plenty of people will, though, right? They sure will. Much like we've said in the past, it's not for us, but we appreciate it exists. So, so uh, I kind of saw it in passing the ProDrive P25. Do you know anything about this? Yeah. I. They've only set a teaser out. And did you see the picture of the teaser where it's just the, it literally just looks like the outline of a GC Coupe with yeah. an STI wing? So, what is it? <laughs> they haven't said much. Uh, they're going to announce it in like four or five days. Um, my assumption, and we'll have to follow up with this next week, is that they're basically doing like a, for lack of a better term here, a singerized version of a GC Coupe, but with Pro Drive Touch other than Singer, obviously. That's my assumption because all they said was an icon redefined. This is P25, and they showed an outline of the GC Coupe with the STI wing. So, all right. So, a Pro Drive built GC Coupe streetcar. That's my assumption. That sounds pretty cool. I'm I'm 100 here for it, but yeah. I'm that's just a guess. Because they do advertise on their Instagram like they've been restoring a lot of the older, uh, early 2000s WRC cars lately, and that stuff's really cool. Just watching those cars get put back together. Yeah, it's crazy to think. I think we were talking about this before the show, but like it's been 25 years since those cars were new. Like I'm, the reason it's P25 is the 25th anniversary of the GC. Like I just yeah, 98, 97, 98. Yeah, it's so long, so long ago. Actually, I think a GC goes all the way back to 92 or 93, but like. The 22B was like 97, 98, so. Yeah. Well, Pro is doing all kinds of cool stuff right now. Like I said, they're doing the, they're restoring the rally cars. They're building that, what do they call, what do they call that thing? The Hunter? Or, there was a name for it. It's the Dakar, it right? Aren't they doing yeah, electric Dakar stuff? No, they're making a, it looks like a Dakar vehicle, but it's going to be sold to the public for street use. Oh, cool. And it's a three 3.5 liter EcoBoost. Like a Raptor nice. or a GT4 Ford GT engine. Huh. So they're making, I think, 25 of those as well. Maybe 25 is the number this year, it sounds like. Um, I haven't read about it in a while. I think it was a couple months ago the release went out about it, but it's like a 600 horsepower. It's basically, it reminds me of actually, is the, you know, the local motors rally fighter. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those. Yeah, I know what you're talking but about. Built by ProDrive. So, yeah. It'll be $1.5 million, so it doesn't matter. But they're only going to make 25 of them. So, it'll definitely be a uh, rich guy play toy. So, hopefully, I'll see one around somewhere because we seem to get all the multi million dollar cars in, in this area, at least one of them. It's cool. Seeing though. it at 4 be... or something. I know. It'd be cool if someone, <laughs> if Rally Art still existed, to rebuild. Evos or something. Yeah, that's yeah, it'd be nice. I mean, especially if we're not going to be seeing a ton of internal combustion cars being developed in the future. If we can at least just get these companies to celebrate their historical vehicles and 
start building them up, that'd be great. You know, Nissan's doing a pretty good job right now. Maz is doing a job with early Miatas. So there's definitely some some market there, and we just need to get all the manufacturers on board. So, yeah, didn't Mazda start releasing restoration parts for Miatas? Mazda is doing restoration parts for Miatas and RX-7s. FD RX-7s. Yeah, that's cool. So I don't think they're doing FBSA or FC parts yet, probably because the cars aren't worth enough yet to their owner for their owners to have the money to spend. So we shall see. Yeah, I think Nissan is starting to make a lot of GTR parts again. Nissan is doing a bunch of R32 stuff. Yeah. And they've announced they're going to start doing R33 stuff. And obviously they did Datsun Z stuff a while ago. Yeah, so, so they have that legacy of doing it. Yep. Yeah, Porsche does it. Mercedes does it. Uh, BMW, not so much. Um, they the used American to, though. manufacturers, not so much. No, BMW had a whole classic catalog. Uh, that's right, too. They do, don't they? For 2002s, right yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if they expanded that into like three series. I know Toyota has always been interested in their history, but not to the point where they're like making a bunch of parts. So no, nice they're, they're, they're doing A86s. I remember hearing about that. Are they? Yes. Oh, I'm out of the loop. See, you corrected me already. Don't even need the Discord. Yeah. So I know they, they make parts longer than other manufacturers. I know when I was rebuilding the head on the... 79 Cressida there was a I could buy the head head bolts brand new from Toyota well a lot of their stuff was built a lot longer in the rest of the world sure and And the same thing goes on in the rest of the world as like lived on as the same car for longer I, I agreed but the same thing happened with Mitsubishi you know they made Mark 1 Monteros as Hyundai Gallopers and stuff into the 2000s, but I can't go to a Mitsubishi dealer in the U.S. and buy those parts with the same part number, whereas the Toyota dealer actually could. So, yeah, and I'll I'll get to that um, with my Q45 stuff. Q45 talk. <laughs> yeah. So, see, that's a weird one too. That there's not a lot of those cars left, so I don't think Nissan would even consider making parts for that car. Well, we might as well get right into it. So I finished the valve cover gaskets for that car. Okay. Got it all back together. Uh, it was kind of annoying. I think I talked about this, the coil packs on ba- on the cylinder one and two, the very front, front bank, front cylinder in each bank has a different connector. Yeah, it's like reversed. I I, yeah, so you can't, so you can't plug them in, but you really can't because they're facing a different direction. But I think I found the correct Nissan coil pack connectors, and uh, I can swap those out and put two new coils in there. So it doesn't have just six new coils. It's got eight new coils. But anyway, I put the whole thing back together. Uh, I'm still waiting on, I think I talked about this too, the throttle body gasket was available from the Q40, from the Q45 dealer, from the Infinity dealer here yep. uh, in Danvers. And, but the little elbow that goes to the throttle body and then the gasket for the IAC valve was unavailable in the United States anymore. And actually, I bought the last throttle body gasket in the United States. Hmm. Um, came out of California. So, are there aftermarket ones available or just nothing? There are. Okay. But I just wanted the OEM one. No, of course. Uh, and then, so I looked it up. I went to my Japanese, one of my parts websites. They're available. They're actually, uh, I should have them tomorrow. Um, but the gaskets that were on there weren't in too bad a shape. So I was able to put the car back together for now and they're accessible. I could swap them out later. Excellent. Okay, so around top, so right? yeah, they're right on the top. So anyway, uh, put the whole car back together. I was like, all right, time to start it. I hit it. It fired up like instantly. I was like, sweet. Well, I don't think you ever talked about how deep into the car you went. I think I did. I took it all the way down. I had to take the intake off. Uh, the upper intake. I think, you, I think last week you had just had the intake off. So there was no other work. Well, yeah, it was yet. just I had to get the intake off to do the valve cover gaskets because uh, it hangs over them just slightly. It's obscured by a couple other parts. It's not... You know, it's like doing it. I was like, this is kind of annoying and hard. 
and then as it was going back together, I was like, oh, I guess this wasn't that bad. Which is normally what no, happens it all makes, to me. It all makes sense. It's just a lot of parts. <laughs> it yeah, it's just a lot of steps. Yeah. And and I just went really slow to just to make sure I do it right. And um it really needed valve cover gaskets. They were starting to leak and every now and then you drive it, you could smell the oil dripping right onto the manifolds. Yeah, so that needed to be addressed. If you were doing just coil packs and spark plugs, it's very easy. You can just do that without removing any intake stuff. That is serviceable without doing all the extra steps I did. Which makes sense as a maintenance item that it would be more accessible. Yeah. The knock sensors, I think I talked about, were there was paperwork with the car that said mice had chewed the knock sensor harness. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Because I could see down in there, but I couldn't reach it. And it looked intact. So when I had the intake off, I was able to to trace those wires. And they had continuity. They're not broken. Knock sensors were a little corroded. I threw new ones in there because they're accessible with the intake off. It made sense to do it. The, the trickiest part of getting that intake back on was in the back. The fuel pressure regulators for the rails are back there. Sure. Right up and against there's the firewall. One, yeah, right up against the firewall. And then there's a giant vacuum tube for the idle air control valve that's in the back of the manifold. And then below that is a small quarter-inch vacuum line that goes to the passenger side fuel injector bank. Um, and if you don't hook that fuel line, that vacuum line back up, you're going to have a bad time. So... That one was really hard to get to. That was in the bottom. That took me like a couple tries to get it on there. And I actually ended up replacing it with some silicone vacuum hose I had. and just So that one it. actually controls the fuel pressure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know you the vacuum that. line that would go to a regulator? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so. That'd be an important one. Yeah. And I made the silicone line like half an inch longer just to make it easier for me to get it on. Sure. And, and then the other one on the driver's side is up higher and I replaced that one because it looked a little dry routed, but those are the only two vacuum lines I did. The other ones looked fine. I have so, rolls of vacuum line here waiting to go in the Cressida, but I buy the HPS silicone hose. It's I bought all silicone. Yep. Well, did you buy like thick walled stuff? Cause the problem is if you don't buy the right silicone stuff, it can collapse because it's too thin. Well, that's I bought the stuff that's, for the purpose of what it's for. I'll send you a link later. Okay. Because I have, um, it's like, and actually I like that they sell it. I say quarter inch, but I think it's like actually six millimeter because you can buy it in the correct metric oh, so size. The stuff I got is all in standard, but close enough kind of deal. Yeah. So. So I, and this is like a decent, it's just like black. So it just blends in. So anyways, I did that. You didn't go blue? Come on now. Everything's back together. The mass air meter had been cleaned. Like I emptied a can of mass air float cleaner into it. Um, So it definitely had a couple of problems here. It had a really dirty mass air flow meter and had some seemingly bad knock sensors because those are the codes. You start it up. It stumbled a couple times after it was running. I back probed the connector for the mass airflow meter to see the voltage. It was kind of weird dropping out. I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. As we were running it on the lift, it started to clear up. And you could actually see the voltage climb when you're giving it throttle like it should. I was like, all right, maybe it's all right. So it seemed like it was really dirty. And then as though it's a hot wire sensor, not a hot film sensor. So as those hot wires heat up, they do self-clean. But sure. Maybe this thing was so dirty, it was just never self-cleaning. And that would kind of explain why it would start to run better as I was driving it. So anyway. So you haven't you haven't replaced the mass airflow, though? No. It's original. Okay. Just cleaned it. Okay. Which is what... I mean, I can get them from Japan. They're actually less expensive than the Reman ones you'd get here. Oh, nice. For a brand new one? Yeah. But if you don't need it, you don't need it. So I don't, Yeah, I don't think I need it. Because I've put about 120 miles on the car. And it drives wonderful. Awesome. Like, like not acting up at all. So I think it's just a combination of things. 
yeah, it had a bad coolant temp sensor, and it was all very, very intermittent. It was very hard to get it to do it at once. Um, and again, the corrosion on those knock sensors probably didn't help either. Well, that's the other thing too. When I had the taking these manifold off, I also had to remove the engine harness, which is on top of the engine, and the two grounds are at the top of the manifold, and they were very dirty, and I cleaned those. So who knows? Yeah, like I said, it's a like, combination of things that you repaired, and now it's better, which is, at the yeah. end of the day, all that matters. <laughs> and so I test drove it one day. I was like, this is driving great. This is cool. I'm going to put the shocks in it that I have. I'm confident. Excellent. So I, so I threw all four shocks in it with new upper spring perches in the front and uh, drove the next day. I, I didn't realize how bad they were. It seemed like they were okay. But like one was one was totally blown in the front. It was just like wet, and the other one must have been weak. The okay, car feels way better. Like awesome. Feels feels so like you now have a brand new Q forty five. Basically, but then when I was checking the front, uh, it's got it's weird because it it must have happened pretty recently because it got a sticker last year in June. Okay, the upper control arm has some play in it, so it's not like a um if. If somebody just checks it, they'd probably tell me it has a bad ball joint because, again, it has an odd suspension like the Montero that people don't yep. understand how it works. And they're just actually... inspection people in Massachusetts don't know anything beyond, oh, the car's not brand new, it fails. Yeah. So I was able, uh, I looked those up. They were like 250 bucks in the United States, a piece, left and right. Okay. It kind of stinks. Yep. It's a lot of money. Buy, buying them from Japan, it's $300 for the set. That's much better. It's almost half price. And they're, and they're OEM. So Worst I, case so scenario, the are they rebuildable? Could you just put new bushings in? No. Okay. No. So they're th- those are on their way too. But they're um, that's the thing. So this car was built for so much longer in Japan. Yeah, you can actually still get parts for it. You just have to go through Japan. That's the kind of stuff that makes me nervous about some of these cars because a non-rebuildable part like that—that's pretty specific part. That's going to be hard to replace in another ten years. Maybe. You know what I mean? I just I get. I mean, you can get. They share suspension with 300 ZXs, so you like could make something work. I could get like an adjustable upper set. Okay. Like some race Aftermarket. set that's yeah. got aftermarket adjustable upper camber these are just fixed right i'd rather just go with the oem ones because i don't have to do an alignment yeah you're and building then, a stock car you're not building a hot rod here so yeah the nvh is going to be stock yeah yeah it's going to be a nice q45 as so, it be. well i'm excited to go for riding it because i remember riding it before and being impressed with how nice it rode and how powerful it was and i can only imagine it's all better now like yeah, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> like, it's right. pretty cool. I'm like, I, I don't really want it. Well, I think, I, I think the best it. thing to do is to put some miles on it. You know, make yeah, sure everything, hang is, on to it for a while. everything, that... everything is solid. And then, you know, we can go and we can, we can make, make some videos for it because you know it's it's no secret that you tried to sell it before, and the guy who bought it, you know, brought it back for some reasons that weren't even issues. But that's a whole other story. But we can prove that the car is now perfect and try maybe try to sell it again. You know, and like I brought it back because the AC didn't work. But we've proven now that, you know, the AC works great. It just doesn't turn on if the ambient temperature is lower than 45. Right. So, yeah, it doesn't. It's actually like it, the car was just advanced at the time. Like, it's just interesting the way it works. Like, it doesn't. The other day I was using it and it was like. 60 degrees outside and I turn the AC on the lowest it goes to 65. So if you turn it on to cold, yeah, it's not going to really work the AC that much. What it's going to do is it pulls in outside air. Okay. Because, because the outside air is already cooler. Like so it's going to make the temperature, the temperature. Yeah. There's no manual override to just make it cold. It, it's okay. either economy or auto for air conditioning and heat. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that makes like sense. Can, I mean, it's going to yeah. work work the easiest it can. Like, 
if yeah. all has a temp sensor and the temp is cold, it's going to be like, well, I don't need to do anything. We'll just keep it here. Yeah. It, it just, it actuates the, the right flapper doors and pulls in air from the outside. And so, yeah. It's, and the other complaint was the transmission was broken and we've proven the transmission is just fine. It's definitely not broken. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, you feel it. It's a nineties transmission. Like you, it, you know, it doesn't slam it yeah, here, not, but you feel it's not an eight speed jet drag. It's a no, it's four a four speed, speed. ASIN. Like, is it an ASIN? I assume it's an ASIN. Probably, and you feel yeah. uh, it's not like a CVT. Like that doesn't have any gears. Sure, because if you're used to driving that, you're not going to feel any shifts. But the only time I really feel it shift and look for gears is I I go up and down Old Route One here. That's part of my so part of my test drive loop. It's like forty miles. I go up to Newburyport from my house in Peabody. Yep. Over so up, up 95, I'm doing 75 miles an hour. Then I get off, go through Newburyport, down old Route One, which is like 45 to 55. It's up, up and, and down, down hills. hills. Yeah. So yeah, you can feel it kind of look for gears, and then when you come down the hill and let off, to, you can feel it go down a gear to like slow you down. Fluid's nice working, and pink. Working perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, and that's all that matters. Um, so excellent well yeah. i'm looking forward to uh going for a ride and driving it because it sounds uh, like a nice car so yeah i was gonna bring it to radwood this weekend but unfortunately we're not gonna go uh, we had uh my kids at daycare he had a close contact with covid yep so we're like he's not sick luckily and so we're just keeping an eye on it so we don't want to we also had decided previously, we're like, well, maybe we shouldn't go because case rates are getting higher. And unfortunately, it's going to be a lot of people down there. And we and uh, he's not vaccinated yet. So, right. Well, Plus, and- yeah. And also, unfortunately, like I hate to complain about warm weather, but it's going to be like 97 degrees and like 70% humidity on Saturday. Yeah. We're not complaining about the weather there, the temperature. You're complaining about the humidity. It's going to be hot. It's so. going to feel like a hundred and yeah. like soupy. And also, unfortunately that car is a V8 and it's got a 24 gallon tank. It's going to cost me an arm and a leg just to get down there. Well, nobody's saying you got to fill a tank. Uh, but the fuel mileage is the same either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't have to, I could just do a half tank each time and just do it. What, twice I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is the size of the tank has no bearing on this comment at all. It's, it's the amount of fuel the engine's going to use to get there. I imagine it probably gets low twenties in the highway. Yeah, I have the window sticker here somewhere. Yeah, I, I think it I even had like a gas guzzler tax back in the day. Oh geez, I, I imagine low twenties. I know like the Saab across country all highway got like twenty five, but I never replicated that driving it around. It was more like twenty two all average. So that's and that's pretty normal for like a nineties a nineties car. Yep. <laughs> So I'm assuming that's going to be a little lower because it's a V8 90s car. And again, yeah. it has an early, well, I don't want to say an early automatic, but in the grand scheme of things, it's closer to the beginning of automatics than it is closer to now, probably. It's probably designed sometime in the late 80s. And it's yeah. not the best transmission. And it's not like today where the new automatics have like 100 speeds and they're 10,000 times more efficient than even a manual. Yeah, and they're so, at highway speed, they're churning at like 1,000 RPM or something. Or less, yeah. Yeah, I was actually watching because they had they released the embargo on the what is it called a Nissan 400 or is it a Nissan Z? What are they calling it? Just a Z now? I think it's just the Z, right? So just the Nissan, Nissan Z. Z. Yeah. So anyway, they released the embargo on it, so all the journalists were releasing their you know videos and articles and stuff about the car, and it's significantly faster as an automatic, which is I know been a thing for a while now as far as you know, track times and stuff go, but even just a quarter mile, you know, typical standard measurement, I was shocked how much faster the car went down the track. So and it's really? not even the faster. I don't remember the numbers. It's like a second and a half. Is it dumb. like a, it must be like a 13 second car, right? So I think that minimum? it's like, it's a low 13 with the automatic and a mid 13 with the, so maybe not a second and a half, maybe half a second. Mid thirteen without it. What what really got me though is watching the visual of it. Watch the, the drag race, the automatic next to the manual, and the numbers don't sound like a lot until you see it side by side. And you're like, 
man, that's way faster. So yeah. it doesn't stop me from wanting the manual, obviously, because it's all about, you know, driving experience, yada, yada, yada. Top, you know, speed isn't the only thing in the world here. But it just shows how much more efficient automatics have become. You know, I think it's a 10-speed auto, so it's got, yeah, you know, infinite shifts pretty much, and it shifts so fast that it doesn't matter. It's not a yeah. CVT, but it might as well be. So, And the other thing you sent me to was the... I think it was, a, it was a prototype on the press car. It was a Camisa video. It was the uh, Nismo exhaust. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, like, yeah. tuned it to sound like a straight six. Yeah, it sounds so good. Well, that's actually, yeah. if you watch his full video, he talks about the exhaust on the cars. Um, yeah. It's uh, Jason Camisa's video. I think it's on Motor Trend. Not Motor Trend. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, Haggerty. Haggerty's yeah. YouTube channel. They have a comparison video of the exhaust sounds and i guess there are regulations now that apply to manual cars and not automatics about sound huh. and you know decibels so i huh. guess that the manual cars doesn't make that same noise the automatic does from the factory but obviously the aftermarket will fix that so i i know it sounded nothing like the vqs of old that's for sure it sounded like a you know it bead in 2.8 liter inline six from the 70s it sounded amazing it was mind blown by how it sounded this cars a turbo they're twin turbo yeah wow so yeah they're they're pretty wow. they're, they're pretty wild for the money like it, you're you're not going to get anything better in the 40 grand range no so they so they tuned out the turbo whistle yep and made it sound like a straight six that's impressive yeah car sounds really good <laughs> Yeah. And that's only, unfortunately, again, that's the automatic, but I'm sure you'll be able to buy the parts off the shelf to make the manual sound the same. There's just, yeah. again, there's some regulation now for from the government for manual transmission cars versus automatic cars and sound decibels. Maybe because people drive them differently. I, I don't I don't know the reason behind it, but I haven't heard this at all. They talk about it in that video. Weird. So, huh? very strange. Very strange. But yeah, yeah. so to change subject, I guess I'm I'm super excited about that car. You know, I'm I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I'm gonna run out and spend forty grand on a new Z, but I'll uh, I'll certainly be watching them as they become slightly less expensive on the used market in five ten years. Well, I'll tell you, I was getting Stephanie's oil change in her cross track today at the dealership, and I was looking at a 2022 WRX, which are also between thirty and forty grand. Yeah, and I would much rather have a Z. Yeah, everything's expensive. Um, yeah, I was actually for that money. I'd rather have the Z. Yeah. Sh- shout out, you know, self congratulatory here to my other podcast, the work podcast. We talked about that last week. The uh, average price for a new car has broken 40 grand. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the average sale price for March of 2022 was like 43.5 or something, which is that's absurd. That used to be sports yeah. car money. Like that used to be choosing a fun Fancy car was 40 grand, but you could still buy a car for, you know, 15 to 20. And just, I'm just so out of touch with that stuff. It, it bugs me. So, but yeah, well, 40 grand to me sounds like a lot of money for your average new car, but it doesn't sound like a lot of money for a new sports car like the Z, especially when a Supra is going to cost you close to 70. Yeah. So I don't, I don't see a use case here now for the Supra if the Z costs that much little. Right. So speaking that much of exhaust, less, I should say not little. <laughs> um, we talked briefly about the G20 exhaust. Yes, that you ordered uh, one I from Greg. Yep, I got it, and I couldn't Excellent. find a header because they weren't made anywhere. They're just like on ba- super back order. S- supply chain issues, just like everything else. Can't buy a Hot Wheels so, car. Can't buy an SR20 header. Right. Uh, I put a post on one of the SR20 groups. And some guy locally in Lynn actually had one. Okay. I don't even know if I told you this. So I you sent a post to the Discord and said it was next town over. I assumed that meant Salem, but Lynn also works. Yeah. Uh it's like an old it's I mean the header's almost as old as the car. It's it's an old style header. But I believe we call that period correct racing parts. Yeah, a lot of the SR twenty stuff for the front wheel drive cars is interchangeable. So this could have been on like a 200SX or something or Sentra. A 200SX, Sentra, NX2000, yeah. G20, who knows. So it's got, it's kind of, it's definitely seen some things. It's been around. Well, 
came, it came from Lynn, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy said he bought it off some other old school SR20 guy, and then he decided to go a different route. He's, he's got a bunch of SR20 parts, too. He's like trying to sell me other stuff. I'm like, no, I just need that header. Piece. Oh, good guy to know. I mean, <laughs> even was he I- was like, do you want this? He's like, do you want this valve cover for an SR20? I was like, uh, sure. Yeah, I would have <laughs> taken it just on the wall. in case you have cracks or whatever. You have a spare. Yeah. I remember yeah. back in the day in Sport Compact Car Magazine reading the, was it, uh, there are two different companies that made SR20 parts that advertised well, the Sport Compact did. Car. Well, it's uh, still Jim Wolf and Jim Wolf Technologies. So I, I think it'd be cool if you, you know, ever, if it becomes time to time belt again, you know, throw a set of old Jim Wolf cams in it or something. It would be amazing. <clears throat> it's got a, a chain there, Chief. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Oh, all right. Fine. I just assumed two liter from the 90s that it was a belt car. No. SR20 is pretty sweet, actually. Um, Did you know it was a chain car before you bought one? Yes. Okay. Well, you worked at a dealer. dealer, so that's right. <laughs> I just assumed that it was a belt car because every other two liter four cylinder from the from the 90s is a belt car. So New friend is SR20. Old friend is 4G63. Right. <laughs> Temporary um, friend. <laughs> no, so this this is a it's like an air exhaust. Like no oh no, it's advanced engine breathing systems AEBS header. Okay, which are now places out of business. Of course, and apparently it's one of the it was it was like the hot setup at the time. It's like it's a long tube header, which is kind of interesting. Which is so cool. It, it the collectors hang down slightly below the. Cross member, which everybody's like, if you're really low, it's a problem. But you're not you're like just in the tines. Yeah, I should be all right. Whoever had this before the guy I bought it off of, he's like, yeah, he welded like a little tiny skid plate on the front of the collectors. Okay, to like Whatever. help. I'm like, all right, that's cool. But it's a. Uh... Then I went down this whole rabbit hole. I actually had this old book from when I was at Bentley about intake and exhaust design. Yep, and it's it's. So you would think like in your brain, you're like, oh, 421 is probably a better header, right? But actually, the way this one's set up, four into one is actually a better setup because each cylinder is independent and then it collects underneath in a collector under the engine. So there is some stuff I got to do. It doesn't have an EGR port. I got to do a little funky stuff with the EGR. Um, The O2 sensor is way down underneath. So I'm gonna have to extend the O2 sensor wires, um, and then which is what I was reading about most of the headers for the SR20s. Yeah, uh, not a big deal. That's easy for me to do. It's somebody has. I don't think it originally came with this. Like one of the runners, one of the upper primaries, they call it, has like a, a bung in it. It's it's weirdly small. I don't know if it was for exhaust gas temperature sender or something. Or I found a plug that would fit it. Okay. So I gotta plug it. It's got oh, some case, like you could weld something in there if you had to. Yeah, it's got some studs um on the side that I don't know what they were used to attach to, and they don't fit anything on the engine. Hmm. Maybe they're holding a, a shield that the person made, a heat shield. I don't know. I think I can like take a Dremel and just those like they look like bolt heads welded to the pipes. Okay. And maybe I can just snip the welds Clean or them. or just cut them down. <laughs> Um, it was painted with VHT black paint. The guy had before pictures. It was kind of rusty. It's not a stainless header. Um, he, he said he cleaned it up as best he could and then painted them and it didn't look too bad. I'm going to cover it with a exhaust a wrap. Heat, I got a heat wrap or heat blanket for it anyways. Okay. And so I spent like all the, the time wrapping the, 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 the roll of guys. No, it's literally like a black around the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. It's just easier and it'll look more like a, original header so that's that's pretty cool and it's got a flex pipe it goes underneath i put the car up in the air the other day i was looking at it the exhaust in the car was not long for this world <laughs> like yeah, the muffler we went, that. but yeah. the rest of it was it had been patched together before okay now, the original that's like the mirage <laughs> yeah yeah kind of so the original um manifold obviously the original downpipe flex didn't look so great uh you can see where it's been fixed before it was rotted at the hangers somebody had welded onto the pipe cat doesn't look so great the rear o2 sensor is definitely seized in it so i ordered two new o2 two new o2 sensors okay uh and i've got the high flow cat from 
Greg to go in that system. The annoying thing is that the original rear O2 sensor is a 12 millimeter thread, like a motorcycle. I guess that's a common Nissan thing. Okay. But it's really easy to go on like Amazon and get an adapter from an 18 mil to 12 mil. Cause I guess this happens a lot on Harleys. Like all these adapters came up for Harleys. Like if you try to put a new exhaust on your Harley and it's got O2 sensors or any motorcycle, they'll motorcycles use like 12 millimeter oxygen sensors. Who knew? I didn't know. Hmm. So I, that's not a big deal. I can, the, the cat has a port in it for an O2 for rear. So that's cool. Um, I was checking it. Everything should line up. Then I'm looking at the, the other day I was like, oh, maybe I'll just throw the cat back on for the first couple of days. So I can at least drive the car around because it's, it's like undrivable. As soon as you hit like a thousand RPM, it drones like so bad. Sure. Yeah, it's pretty loud. I'm looking at the, the cat between the cat and the rear cat back and it's bolted. And then somebody definitely like burger welded the flange. <laughs> like, cool. So all this is just going to get I mean, cut it's, out. <laughs> it's a New England car that gets salt and stuff on the outside and moisture on the inside. So it, they don't last. Anybody from New England or any Rust Belt town knows that uh, exhaust is the first to go. So that, that doesn't surprise me. It's interesting, though, because Nissan Infinity used to use a lot of stainless in their exhaust. to, to And they would last a long time. I remembered it at the Infinity dealer, but apparently this one didn't quite make it so I remember it's having um, issues with o2 sense oh o2 sensors and cats back in the day those that was like g35s the later cars so the uh and then the cat back on this car is a foreign auto part like replacement so that was even worse quality and and it's funny the pipe is like an inch and a quarter so this would be a significant upgrade of two and a half inch pipe but just eyeballing everything, all the stuff, I'm like, this should line up nice. And I'm looking at, like, I basically just had to order more parts to, to make it fit. And, like, this new header didn't come with any gaskets. But because it's an SR20, I was able to find a Kometic uh, manifold gasket instead of, like, a metal one that's, like, three layers. Instead of, like, one of those cheesy paper metal ones. So like a nice metal Kometic head gasket that will crush it because I'm sure the flange is not perfect on this header. Right. And that way it doesn't leak. Yeah. 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 So that's cool. It's probably good. Mm-hmm. And then um, all the hangers. I was like, I don't think I need hangers. And I'm looking at them like they're, they're pretty blown out because they're like the original hangers that are almost 30 years old. So uh, I went on Amazon and... You know, I was going to order like the normal style, like oval style headers, uh, oval style hangers. Yep. Now they make ones that have like three holes in them. So it's like, so it's the like adjustable oval style. And then it's got three extra holes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's pretty smart. I'll just order. I needed like five. So I ordered six of those. I was like, that should help me because these pipes are going to be bigger. The muffler's a little smaller. He's got the right hangers on there, but it might need to be adjusted so it sits right in the bumper because every car is different. So I don't know. That made sense to me to try those because it's nothing's worse when you're trying to put an aftermarket exhaust on. It's like stretching hangers. You're like trying to find one that's like the right length. Yeah. And then you have the, the like, piping is like against the rear suspension control arms. Yeah. And you hit a bump and it knocks yep. against the body or something. So that should give me some nice adjustment. They're not like all stretched out. So hopefully uh, I should have most of those parts uh, by tomorrow or Saturday. And if I got some time, I'm going to start working on that, even though it'll be hot. Well, you're not going to Radwood this weekend, so you might as well put the car together. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I've been getting a ton of stuff done because I'm, I talked about being laid off. I actually have a, I'm starting a job in two weeks. Okay. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get everything in Cram all, <laughs> as many projects as I can, yep. so I have less to do. Because <laughs> um, I think well, now I'm mad at you because you didn't tell me you accepted the job. Yeah, I'll tell you afterwards about it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Our uh, post show wrap up. The um, yeah, so I hopefully I'll get this done. I'm hoping either this weekend or early in the week, 
And then the next thing I'm going to roll right into doing that adventure driven design bumper. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I think I'll do that and I'll probably, cause you're not here till the following week after Memorial day, right? I'm here the week. Oh uh, yeah. The weekend after Memorial day. So the first full weekend of June, I think it's like the, I don't know. First. Six, All right. So June, first June 1st or, or whatever it yeah. is. Okay. That Thursday. Yeah, I don't want to wait. Down. I don't want to wait that long for you to help me eyeball it. No, I mean, it's, it, you should be able to do it. And right. if you have somebody around who's more experienced welder, maybe me convince Andy to come by or something and uh, help you out with the welding. I think you'll be, uh, you'll be golden. So, well, the big thing is you just line it up, tack it, and then it can be welded off the truck. Yep. That's I, I was just there for one and that's how they did it. They bolted on the center section and then used very strong magnets to kind of adjust everything to the right adjustability, tacked it, took it all off and welded it up. So yeah, we've got magnets for that. So then you're only as, you're only as bad as your best grinder. So, oh yeah, I bought some nice grinding wheels. It's like friction discs.com or something. Sure. It's uh, make, my a, weld, a, make my welding pretty.com. Yeah, I actually found, and, and I'm going to use them on these os flanges to, to clean them up with this, this manifold too. I found a nice, yep. it go, it's a four and a half inch disc, but it's a, it's a Rolock, you know, like the Rolock material. That's like a Brillo sure. pad, Yep. but in a flap disc. Interesting. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And it'll fit on the Ryobi grinder. So, and then a couple of those pieces have some slight flash rust not like heavy but just speckles from sitting in my garage because i i left the oil on them but like where your fingerprints were and stuff it's bare metal so i where do you is it rust mort i you you shouldn't even need to use rust mort you should probably be able to get away with just some steel just grinding them yeah just i mean i'm gonna grind as much i've got like a a fine surface prep wheel too for the grinder yeah, I, I would grind it all down and use some real good rustoleum as a primer. I was thinking, yeah, I'm gonna get it down to bare metal and then like red rustoleum, right? Uh, I would if you can get some etching or etching primer. primer? Yeah, okay. I would try to get so some etching primer. etching primer. Yeah, that's what I was gonna do. At least get it etched and sealed. Because do you still have the gun you shot the wheels with for the? No, oh, okay. I should be able to do it with a can. Oh, you definitely can. It's just be like it'd be easier with the yeah, using using right. a kind of gun like that. It's messy to clean up, but it opens up a world of products too that aren't available in aerosol cans. But I think if you use a good etching primer and uh, and some, you can buy decent etching primer at local parts stores now. So for sure, for sure. Yeah, I was just gonna do that to seal it, and then um, I need to prep the rest of the silver on the truck, and all in one day I was gonna do that. Uh, the gravel guard, yeah. the silver stuff I've got, and that way the bumper will be silver. The and it'll be the rough texture. I think they'll look cool in the bumper. Yeah, it'll look very similar, I think, to uh, Brian Driggs's Montero. His is not textured, but it's got silver paint on it. So and the good. and the Gondurton people, their bumper is silver too. I think it looks really good with the two tone. It looks very good. It doesn't look like every other black, you know, ARB style bumper out there. So I think yeah. It. Uh, actually, speaking and, of the Gone Dirt and people, I was watching Hulu the other day, mm-hmm. and we have the Hulu package, which includes commercials, because I don't spend right. $70 a month on it. Uh, and there was a commercial. I don't even remember what it was for, but it featured their truck. I, I think that it was Toyo Tires, I think. Yeah, you know, it probably was Toyo Tires. Yeah, I, I saw was like, that. whoa, I know that truck. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. weird to see it on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Just this Montero person that you follow, you know? I know he's a pretty well-known photographer for, like, know magazines and speed hunters and all that stuff but it was just interesting to see on tv not doing car things and see the uh the truck that you know from from the internet in the commercial mm-hmm. just need to see a montero in any kind of mainstream anything so yeah anyway sidetrack sorry yeah so trying to knock all that stuff out uh maybe if i'm getting real feisty i'll order a abs sensor for the g20 and, and finish that out too Excellent. Keep putting that off because it doesn't really affect the car too much. And uh, no, works fine without it. Not as annoying as blown out exhaust. Well, no, and it won't get you yelled at by the neighbors. Oh yeah, cars. I mean, it's it's weird. It's not too bad, but when you hit a certain frequency at like 
like 1000 to 1500 rpm in like second or third gear it's like oh my god my eardrums are gonna explode like it's a weird low mid frequency it's like yeah. super annoying i remember that happening in other cars with broken exhaust like i remember when the flex pipe blew out of the mirage once it was a very similar thing like you couldn't drive the speed limit you had to go below it or above it or else you were deaf by the time you got yeah. to your destination so yeah. i get it it happens we're also not 19 anymore and we don't need super loud cars so no not that we ever really did but a nice little exhaust tone is one thing but going too loud is another so i'm expecting a nice tuned sound out of this exhaust i think so i think it's good worst case scenario you added another resonator you know i mean this thing's got an 18 inch resonator it's huge right so you should be fine (laughs) yeah it's like almost the whole middle of the car and greg's exhausts aren't known for being super loud anyway so they're known for being a good tone you know he's an older enthusiast himself he gets it it's the two and a half not the three inch version right which is overkill for a two liter na for sure actually i mean that's probably about just right should be pretty sweet no, I'm saying the three inches overkill. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I'm interested to see. Everybody says these headers really wake these cars up, so I'm interested to see how it drives the header, especially when I do a track day. Yeah, I've had the same conversation. I've had the same conversation with people about doing a like an open element intake and a header on the naturally aspirated four G six three and keeping the cap back. That yeah. it actually also wakes the car up a ton without even breaking into the car and doing cams and stuff, which are. On my list come timing belt time as well. So, yeah. What do they have you put uh, turbo cams and a non-turbo? Yeah, turbo you know, cams and a non-turbo, and then mm-hmm. you do the, you know, a, a, a header off the front through a stock cat back. It doesn't get way louder. It gets a little louder, but it wakes the car up a ton, and the power comes on way earlier. So cool. It's not quite as peaky as it is, and you gain, I don't know, some measurable by the seat of your pants kind of horsepower for sure. I guess. Yeah, that's what he says about these headers. So. So it should be good. Yeah, it should but be interesting. Excellent. I'm excited well, to see the car come together. That's the last thing the car needs for now, really, other than the ABS sensor. So yeah, sit back yeah, and call it done. Really, yeah, it's a really cool little car. So, um, and that's it. I I got a lot of stuff done. <laughs> it's good because I didn't do anything, so we had nothing to talk about. Yeah, I caught up with a lot of project car stuff. I've been putting off. Because I knew this little break was coming up for myself, and I was waiting for the weather to get better. It's been really nice, um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, if you're at home, you can drink to our weather talk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. I've been clearing well, I out all the parts I have here. I think that's an episode. Then it is an episode. So, uh, yeah, come visit us on the Discord. You can like and follow us on Facebook on Off Topic Podcasts. Not really on there too often. We just kind of cross post from Instagram because it's better to follow us on Instagram, which is Auto Off Topic. Uh, Auto Off Topic on Twitter. Don't use it too much, but it's there. Follow me on Twitter, Race and Anger, and on Instagram, Race and Anger. You can see the I've got some pictures of the projects I've been working on. And uh, Brad, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on the Discord, and they can find me at TSISS350 on Instagram. Cool. So, as always, keep your cars analog and name the roses. Yeah.